Be on every snap and have fun. And last, and most importantly, be physical. We gotta do something. We gotta do something. Put your shoes on tight. Hey, welcome everybody. Hard Edge Football Podcast. This is one of your hosts, Coach Rich Rodriguez. And joining me, of course, is my daughter Raquel. What's up, Raquel? Not a whole lot. We're recording on Wednesday this week because you are a busy guy on the recruiting trail. And once again, I'm going to make fun of you because we've got your (laughs) professional mic, but we do not know where your laptop is. So we are back on the iPhone again. (laughs) Yeah, back on the iPhone. A little bit crazy, a little frenetic, you know, especially when you're recruiting the first year to school, you're kind of trying to get as many guys as possible on campus and you know, we've got a whole new coaching staff put together, but uh, it's going well, but busy, busy. This is it. This is the last week until we have, you know, the, the second signing period coming up uh, next Wednesday, which uh, is another topic we've mentioned many times. But anyway, that's another topic. But I do feel like there is a certain excitement if you're a recruit to officially have that signing day and just a, celebra- a celebration of your accomplishments and getting that college deal. Having a celebration is certainly worthwhile. Now, I know you've been in and out of Jacksonville a lot because you are recruiting, but have you found a restaurant or a place you've really come to like? Well, we're so we're so convenient right now. We could I actually walk across the street to this restaurant called Struts. Got a great menu, great service. Uh, we take recruits down there, and then for us, uh, eating lunch or or dinner, or whatever, it's, it's literally a two minute walk. So that that's very convenient. And we are moved into the press box for our offices and meeting rooms, and it works out very well. In fact, I don't know if we've mentioned it, and I'm not I'm putting a recruiting pitch in for Jacksonville State, but this is probably the best press box and a luxury suites on the group of five level in the country. Certainly was on the one uh, A FCS level. And we're building uh, more with the, with the new renovation. So the, these uh, these are very very nice, both for the press and for our donors that want to have uh, indoor suites to watch our games. And how how are you liking being in those press boxes? Those are really nice. We had a chance back in December to yeah, tour them. Great view. You know, you always want to be. You know, when the new facility gets done, it's going to be really nice because you want to be where your players are going to be at, as far as the locker room goes and meeting rooms and all that. But uh, it's a it's a nice setup now. Our players have got a big, uh, huge room now for their lock temporary locker room. We've got a very nice weight room that was just redone a couple of years ago, so the setup is pretty good. You know, with, for us this year, you know when they uh, start. Uh, tearing down the old football facility here in a few weeks and build the new one. We'll get to watch it from our view in the press box for the next uh, 15, 16 months. So uh, you can look online. There's probably some pictures of it, but we certainly are selling that as our move up to 1A happens. Did you get to see that video where the Oregon State head football coach got to blow up the one side of his stadium? No, I did not. I mean, that would be kind of nice. I wish they'd give me a stick of dynamite and I could <laughs> blow up one side of the, the thing here. They're going to happen in there a couple of weeks. But, you know, I think it's always – I've been for, fortunate when we went to Arizona, you know, we got to move in a new facility. Uh, you know, Michigan, there were some new facilities being built. So, you know, it's always kind of neat to be on the on the ground level, so to speak, and have some input 
to maybe uh, some of the things that they're going to do with it. I know I've sent you and Dusty a bunch of different photos I've seen of different lights and different facility ideas. I've been uh, sending you guys a lot of those to see if we can incorporate them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know you uh, You and your mom like the lights. Now, we're going to have some – we actually are going to have uh, the the kind of new, what do you call them, pulsating, different color type of disco lights put around the stadium. You know, oh, you see nice. College football that, you know, when a touchdown happens or a big play – yeah, that's going to be really exciting. Like I said, we are uh, we we are going to have as good a, a facility as there will be in the Group of Five level. And then we briefly talked about it, but you are out recruiting. So you right now in Jacksonville, you're on Central Time, and a lot of times you're flying out of Atlanta. It's in a different time zone. I know you. I know you had a little issue the other day. <laughs> well, yeah, it's we're on Central Time, and of course Atlanta's on Eastern Time. And it's over an hour and 15 minutes to Atlanta, right? So you would just think, okay, if you've got a 12 o'clock flight, you know, it's an hour and a half drive. You get there an hour or so before, hour, an hour and a half before your flight, right? Well, of course I did that, but I forgot the time change. So when I was leaving with an hour, two hours to spare, I really forgot about the time change and got there and... Uh, it was getting time to board as soon as I got to the airport. So thankfully, I had no check. I, had, I didn't have to check any bags in. There was nobody in security line, which is a miracle at the Atlanta airport. You go, <laughs> folks that have flown out of Atlanta, know it's one of the busiest airports in the world. And uh, just happened to be there was nobody on the security line. And I kind of half-jawed, got on the train, hit my gate as as everyone was boarding. So, yeah, there is a time change. And I like to blame it on somebody else for not reminding me, but my my stupidity almost caught me <laughs> to miss a flight into seeing one of our top recruits. Well, you know, I told you this when it happened. You were on Raquel time because I'm infamous for cutting it yeah. close. <laughs> you would have missed it for sure because you would only get there five minutes early anyway. So you'd be powered five minutes behind. <laughs> I need to be better about it. That's a goal for 2022, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> well, what else is going on in football? There was a bunch of really great NFL games this past weekend. What did you think of those? Yeah, I, everybody's talking about maybe the one that they said possibly the greatest playoff weekend in NFL history. And, and, all that. and I didn't really get a chance to watch it because we were busy with recruits, but I got to see the highlights and and boy, for us coaches, for the coaches that are listening on our podcast, you can learn a lot from both the good and the bad that happened in those games. You know, the clock management. How I many? Probably nothing frustrates football fans worse than poor clock management or clock management mistakes that cost their favorite team a chance to win a game. And for coaches, you know, we all have coaches that. Uh, in the box or on the sidelines that help or supposed to help the head coach with time management or clock management. But the head coach does have, you know, the response, ultimate responsibility of timeouts or decisions or what have you. And, and uh, that was that was tough to watch. And there were some really good coaches. I mean, the Buffalo game was the most frustrating. Buffalo was they're extremely well coached in all three phases. And you would think 13 seconds that you stop all you do is make one stop they didn't make any uh now what have i what have done differently i would have squib kicked it and try to run a couple seconds off maybe just two because they could have just fell on the ball and it's just been one second then i would have run i would uh i'd like to 
rush two or three off of one side of the quarterback's right-handed off of his right side to make him move off his launch point, uh, to take a second or two to run around. You're not worried about him running the draw, right? You're not going to do the Dallas thing. You're not, <laughs> not going to have him run a draw, so you just get him off his launch point, bring a couple guys off the edge and see if he'll have to step up or at least scramble a little bit. That's going to take some time away from it. And then, uh, you know, in the NFL, if you get a first down, the clock doesn't stop if you're in bounds. I would have made sure the corners and everybody had them outside leverage and and uh, get them tackled. All they had to do was make one get quarterback move three steps, and that would have taken away the ability for them to take to run another play because kickers are so good nowadays. Mm-hmm. We got to tag our buddy Pat McAfee because he for the brand. He's going <laughs> to brag about the, the kickers and punters, but. They are. They are all so good. Once you cross the 50, shoot, 55 yarders are nothing for these guys nowadays. And uh, the specialists are so good that, you know, you're going to – you got to stop them before they get to the 50 because they're going to make those three points. And one of the biggest debates to come out of this past weekend in the NFL is should the overtime rules be adjusted? Because, of course – Great quarterback Josh Allen did not get a chance to even touch the ball in overtime. What do you think about those NFL overtime rules? Well, I think they made a good adjustment before where where it was before it was just the first score, sudden death. And so you had no chance even with, if you just made a field goal. I think uh, every team should be able to get a possession. So just take it one more step that if you win the toss, you could get the ball first. If you want, or you could go on defense if you want, and either way, the other team gets a possession. That's the most fair because then you're just you're putting both defenses and both offenses uh, with an opportunity to win the game uh, for their team. So uh, now, if you get the ball first and you run a 14 minute drive and score a touchdown and only lead the other team one minute, well, uh, you did a pretty good job with uh, you know running that clock down, but and that's a heck of a drive, but at least the other team gets a chance. I think not giving them any chance whatsoever with the talented quarterbacks and skill guys there is nowadays is it can be an easy adjustment. What do you think made this past weekend's games so much more exciting than maybe some of the past NFL games? Well, I you know, good question. I think probably it's the ability of the skill players, especially the quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. These quarterbacks nowadays are so athletic can make so many throws that even with great coverage and even a team that uh, that can blitz, like how many sacks did Joe Burrow take, but yet he still led his team to a victory. These guys are so good nowadays, these quarterbacks, that your team is never out of the game. Look at Tampa Bay. They weren't playing well. They were getting beat bad. But they have uh, Tom Brady, arguably the best of there ever was, uh, so they have a chance to come back, and they did. You know, look at Josh Allen and Pat Mahomes. You know, those two guys put on a show. They're so talented that their teams are always going to be in the game, and it's fun to watch. And so I think the NFL's in a good spot. And the reason they're in a good spot, because they get good quarterbacks out of college. Mm-hmm. And us guys in college are getting good quarterbacks out of high school. The quarterback play is better than it's ever been. And it's more exciting than it's ever been because of quarterback play. Do you think that Tom Brady possibly played his last NFL game? You know, I, I think it is possible because, one, I mean, he's been there, done that. 
And a lot of probably what's going through his mind is the same thing that's going through Aaron Rodgers' mind. Is like, what kind of team we're going to have coming back? Do we have room in the salary cap to keep, you know, the, the good players, not just on offense, O-line and receivers, but also on defense? You know, those guys want to be associated with winners. Now, I think Tampa is probably in a better situation than Green Bay. And Tom Brady had a tremendous year. He's not like he's going downhill. I mean, he's he's playing as good as he's ever played. So it would shock me for him to play one more year. But I think he wants to spend time with his family, and he's deserved the right to, to ride off in the sunset. And along with how great and exciting all of these playoff games have been, the crowds have been packed in there and really excited to be there, despite this cold weather in some of these places. Oh, it's, it's, it was crazy. It's some of the coldest places in the country. And yet those crowds, people were standing on top of each other and being loud. I mean, it was amazing, the popularity of football. And I think people were probably hungry after the COVID year or whatever. They wanted to come to games. But not only were they there, but they were into it. Now, you could tell they were into it. What I saw, I mean, Kansas City has obviously tremendous fan base anyway. But uh, it's nice. We've always talked about football is the greatest sport there is. And it's so fun to watch. You know, a crowd get into it and, and try to give you a home home field advantage. And, and uh, football, I don't think it ever really went away. COVID took a lot of things away. But it's completely back. Football's back all the way, Raquel. Completely back, and we're getting that fan support. We're seeing it in the stands. We've seen some NFL coaching changes. Why do you think we it's been slower than usual hiring these head coaches at that level? But it has. Usually it happens pretty quick. But I think more more franchises are being a little more deliberate, interviewing more people, which is a good thing. And another reason is a lot of them are, are hiring GMs first. They want to hire the general manager and obviously let him or her have input in who the coach is going to be. And, they're, and I've seen a lot of them are bringing in for second interviews. So they're being very thorough. Obviously, this it's a key hire. The GM obviously for the organization, but the head coach to set the type of tone and leadership that you want for your organization. And so they're going to be a little bit more deliberate. They're taking their time. And then the, the other reason is that some of the guys they want to talk to are still playing. So they've got to wait till the, till the Super Bowl or after the Super Bowl to finish their interviews. So, but there's, I mean, every year there's a handful, you know, there's, there's, there's usually a quarter of the coaches that get turned over every year, and it's the same thing going on this year. This past week, the Saints head coach, Sean Payton, is stepping away after about 15 years. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I got a chance to meet him uh, at, a, at the Manning Pass Academy a few years back. A great guy, outstanding coach. And to, to do 15, 16 years in one organization like that is a ton, you know, especially as a head coach. Boy, that's a that's 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 a grind, and he's done a tremendous job. So I don't think he's done. That's just my opinion. I think he'll do TV, and he'll be great at it. So he may not want to leave TV, but I also think he'll do a couple years. And he, if he gets that competitive itch again, you know, there'll be a franchise jump all over to try to hire Sean Payton to be their the leader of their organization. And we'll be right back after a short message from our sponsor. Hard Edge Football Podcast is sponsored by iPacket iPacket takes the guesswork out of purchasing your next vehicle by putting all the important documentation in one place. Documents like the original window sticker, 
warranty information, new car brochure, and vehicle history report. Ask your local car dealer for an iPacket or visit www.ipacket.us to learn more. Now, moving on to our coaching tip this week, what is your coaching tip of the day? Well, it made me think of one, Raquel, when I when I read somewhere that Joe Burrow in the last game for the Bengals, the headset that goes into his helmet uh, wasn't working or something for a few series, or and he had to call his own plays. And it made me think about as a coach, you know, a lot of times play callers uh, want to call the play and they'll give a quarterback an opportunity to change it from one side or another or make an adjustment with it. But I always thought it was a good idea for the quarterbacks to have to put the pressure on them and practice, you know, a couple times to either run a two minute drill by calling their own plays or even an individual, you know, call the routes that they want to run. And then, or if you're in a team period or seven on seven period, you know, say, okay, you take this series and it's first down and it's second and five or it's third and eight. And you call the play and just see how confident they are with those plays. One, they're probably going to call the ones that they think of they can execute. But two, you're also they're going to call the plays that they that they probably know better than the others, and and I've always loved calling plays, but I also loved when my quarterbacks had the confidence and wanted to call it themselves. At what time in a player's career, or what year, what experience do you put your trust in your quarterback to be able to do that in those situations? Yeah, usually, and this probably goes along with that tip, Raquel was that. Uh, I love getting the quarterbacks on the board. In other words, give them the marker, get on the board, and draw up plays, as I call it, and see how quickly and how confident they can do that. And I think when you do that in the meeting before practice, and if you you can see how confident they are with certain plays you call, uh, then then I think, okay, now they're ready to do that on the field. So I think as a coach, it's, it's better to do that in the chalk room first, on the meeting room, and have them draw the plays up as quickly as they can, see if they can process it, where they want to go with it, and then have them do it on the field. And when you have them on the board, what are you looking for them to draw on? Yeah, I like for them to draw everything. And what I mean by everything, I mean even the, you know, if it's a, it's a five-man protection, draw the protection up versus an even front and an odd front. Uh, obviously draw the routes up, draw a coverage against it cover two, cover four, cover three, cover one, whatever, and where their guys would where your guys would go, and then put by number, which is where his eyes would be. This is my first look. This is my second look. This is my third look. This is my fourth look. Put the drop down where the quarterback is at. You know, it's a three-step. It's a, it's a one-step. It's a no-step. You know, as much detail as they can, as quickly as they can. And it's funny, we've always done that, and I've always had really good quarterbacks. You know, Rhett was one of the best we ever had, of course. When Rhett would go up or he would be so detailed, you know, you knew that he really knew the plays. And that's, that's where you could tell as a coach and your quarterbacks how quickly and how detailed they draw your plays up and what their options are on every play. And you want to have a timer on it. I know I've probably said it on this show before. I used to do that with a squirt gun in my hand. <laughs> And give them a little time. If it went past the 20-some seconds, then I'd get a little squirt gun at them and, and uh, spray them off a little bit. They always had a fun time with that one. 
What is under review this week? So we're going to get into kind of an interesting topic that a lot of kids nowadays, they are specializing in only one sport at a very, very early age. And I'm kind of seeing some burnout. Uh, What are your thoughts on kids that specialize in only one sport at a young age? I don't like it. I like to have guys that played multiple sports, especially at the skill positions on offense. You know, to say, well, you got to specialize and focus on one sport so you can get good at it. No, you don't. You want them to enjoy it. You want them to enjoy all your sports. And I saw a graphic the other day, Raquel, where I think every quarterback that is in the playoffs in the last round and this round coming up, every quarterback played multiple sports in high school. They all played at least two. Some of them played at least three. And that just goes to show you it's not going to affect your future if you play multiple sports in high school. If you're, I'm, I always feel that if you're good enough to contribute, in other sports and ha- and you enjoy doing it, then go do it. It's not going to hurt your college chances or your NFL chances if you play football and basketball or football and basketball and baseball or run track. You know, you should enjoy it and you should enjoy the experience of it in youth sports. And kind of along the same lines here, but what are your thoughts on kids at the, around the age of five starting tackling football? Are you an advocate for starting – tackle football a little bit later what are your thoughts on it yeah and here we are hard edge football you think <laughs> oh yeah we want them tackle when they're four years old you know hard edge football you better be tough when you're a, a little first grader no <laughs> <laughs> that's not i i think you don't you don't need to have tackle football until they're a little bit grown you know get into junior high maybe even sixth grade at the earliest but seventh and eighth grade yeah you can get into tackle football you ever see those little ones i mean their helmet is bigger than their whole body they look right. like little bobbleheads out there you know their heads going all, all over the place and you know they don't you know they're not running hard enough or fast enough really to maybe do too much damage but you can i've seen some videos where they're making these kids run over each other and i mean come on now let's you know let them enjoy it. They're, they're, they should be just flag football anyway until they get uh, into, into junior high. And I believe that's when you started playing football, right, in junior high? Yeah, well, I played one year in Pop Warner. Yeah, and that was junior high because we didn't have uh, junior high football uh, where I was at in Granttown, West Virginia. So I played for uh, one year, just one year of Pop Warner for the Paw Paw Packers. <laughs> and, and that was my first organized football and had a blast. We had a good team, and I really loved it. So I kind of, you know, I liked all sports anyway. I, I, you know, I played all of them in high school. But, you know, the Paw Paw Packers, we were a dominant team. No, we, we, <laughs> we, did, we did have a good team. It was a lot of fun. It sounds like a fun team. You can't go wrong with Paw Paw Packers. Paw Paw Packers, you know, you think a dog, or, you know, we'd have little little dog paws or something as our symbol. But, no, it was uh, I don't can't remember what our uniforms. I guess it was look like the Packers. <laughs> We've got a couple questions this week that we are going to cover. First question is: Does Coach Rod and the staff have any plans to get former JSU football players back around and involved in any sort of way? Yes, in fact, I appreciate the question because as we speak, we're trying to create a database of names of former players and coaches that came through Jacksonville State University. And we have a lot, you know, a lot of uh, very successful players. As they said, they went from Division II to 1AA, and now we're moving up. A lot of very successful coaches that made stops here. And so uh, we're trying to to get the word out there. So if anybody's listening and know 
you know, said to JSU football on Twitter or what have you, you know, your name, when you played, and uh, contact information because we want to set up uh, a Zoom call. We want to set up a meeting this spring, invite all the former players and former coaches to come back and and uh, want everybody to feel that, that they're still part of our program. And, of course, because of their previous accomplishments within the program, gives you guys the, the ability to move up to a higher division. Yeah, and everybody I've talked to that played here, they had a great experience here. You know, loved the school, loved their teammates. And sometimes you just, you know, life happens and you move around and, and you, you, know, you get different parts of the country. And I'm sure it would be great for everybody to catch up and see what their former teammates were doing. And, and so we're really hoping over the next uh, couple months that we can get, reconnect a lot of our guys that played here and a lot of the coaches that coached here. That would be a lot of fun. And our last question this week is, when calling plays from the sidelines, how much does information from the staff up in the press box impact your decisions during a series? Oh, it's critical. You know, I, everybody wants you, you want everybody on the same page, of course. And the guys up top can see the field so much better on the sidelines. With these guys being so big and things happening so fast, uh, you might be able to see some things and get a, you get a feel for the tempo of the game. But the guys up top, are the, are going to be really your eyes, so to speak, uh, on each snap. As far as uh, where the depths of the defensive backs, uh, the coverages, you know, the the you know the alignment of the linebackers, and even the guys up front. So, you know, you want to have coaches that that kind of obviously understand your system up there, but also what you want to look for. I've always thought, and I've done this before. I've taped conversations the conversations need to be brief and concise and accurate you know just like you would in a fighter pilot you don't want to just make one or two word type of things you don't want to have them going off on a tangent and saying a whole bunch of things and and our staff has always done a great job of that so what you're saying is you don't necessarily want your coaches to be having in-depth conversations over the headsets during a game <laughs> yeah it's like yeah we're not talking like a whole lot of things well we gotta do that and then we're gonna do this and, and then you don't need whole sentences you just like it's cover three it's cover two all right they're slanting the front or you know the the safe the, the backside safety is low or whatever have you so it's very concise and i think as that's one thing when you're comfortable we do it in practice now we don't have the guys up in a box you know, during all the practices, they do a couple practices where they're up in a box, but we have the headsets and our communication is, uh, is worked on every day. And real briefly, we're going to get into the AFC and NFC championship this weekend. First, the AFC, the Bengals are at the Chiefs. What's your prediction and thoughts on this matchup? Yeah, Bengals, because of Joe Burrow, got a chance. He's just, I just think the world of him, he's just a phenomenal athlete and competitor. You know, and I think they'll complete some passes, Burrow to Chase, and and all. But I do think the Chiefs, with their explosiveness, you know, uh, Pat Mahomes, who can make any throw, and the Chiefs have gotten better uh, defensively and up front on the offensive line, which was which is what killed them in last year's Super Bowl. And with the home field advantage, I expect the Chiefs to to take that one. Uh, I think the other one is going to be a great game, uh, San Francisco. Um, this has has an outstanding defense. They got Debo Samuel, who's one of the most electric football players that the, the NFL's seen in the last few years. All right, but I think the difference will be 
All right, the the Rams defense because they got two phenomenal pass rushers in Aaron Donald and Von Miller, two guys that are the best, maybe the best, uh, one of the best, what they do in the league, and I think they'll put enough pressure that San Francisco will have a hard time scoring. Now this is actually their third matchup this season, and the Niners have won. The previous last six games, I believe. So do you think that at some point the Rams are going to pull it out? Yeah, and I think the the uh, the Rams, I saw somewhere right now where the Rams are trying to make sure the L.A. fans don't sell their tickets to the 49ers fans because 49ers fans are very loyal and they travel. And so the Rams, maybe not so much. So that, <laughs> they're, they're trying to get a home field advantage there with that. And it's hard to beat a team three times. but. Uh, and I do I like, I think Matthew Stafford is, uh, has had, had a phenomenal year. He's, he's got this opportunity now with a, with a great team around him. I think it's going to be the Rams and the Chiefs in a great Super Bowl game coming up. There you go. Heard it here first. Well, I think that wraps up this week's episode. We appreciate you guys for listening. Yeah. Thanks again. And thanks to our great sponsor, Auto Eye Packet, my buddy Paul Astorg, Sevy Astorg. The Astorg family, Astorg Motors. You can find us on Twitter at HardEdgeFB and on Instagram at HardEdgeFootball. We hope you have a great rest of your week.